Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen. Uh, Dennis is, as you would imagine, uh, trading heavily this morning. A lot of overnight news, probably the biggest overnight news we've had in terms of geopolitical stuff in a while. So uh, if you saw what happened overnight in the markets, then you understand why Dennis is trading this morning. He may join us later in the show. He may not, but we've got a lot to discuss, starting with the Iranian missile strike on Iraqi bases and the market's reaction to that. And we'll talk about that reaction and how it's basically given all of those moves back this morning. A lot of other news to discuss uh, aside from that. Uh, Beyond Meat is moving. GM warned about their sales in China. Tesla keeps moving. Macy's gave some holiday sales. We have some earnings. We have some ratings. And it's a good day, good day to talk autos because we have our guest, Michelle Krebs. She is executive analyst at Cox Automotive. She would join us at 8.35 to talk the auto stocks and sort of the winners and losers of CES and what her projections are for GM, Ford, and Tesla uh, for the year. Uh, Joel, let me just ask you, I mean, what can you say about this overnight session here? I don't even know what there is to say. Uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, well, I'll just give you the numbers and then we can get some commentary to it as well. I guess if uh, you're going to say buy the dip, uh, there was one hell of an opportunity. Uh, things unfolded uh, quite quickly after the 4.15 close. Uh, you had the news leak out. Just kind of caught momentum, went lower, lower, and lower. I think a crescendo of selling. Uh, took the S and P's, maybe just not knowing what was going on or what you know what the damage was. Uh, took the S and P's sixty points lower than we are right now. We went to thirty one eighty one. That is going to be a big number for a long time since we bounced sixty handles from it. Uh, right back up here at all time highs. Uh, forty six and a quarter is your overnight high. Uh, that's real close to the Monday interday high. I mean, folks, after all this news, we're still less than 20 points away from all-time highs. So market has definitely shrugged this off. Uh, crude sprinted to 65, 65. Your frackers, everyone pulling oil out of the ground over 60 bucks was out there selling futures. Uh, after being up nearly $3, now we're in the red by 69 cents, 62.01. Uh, gold went over 1600 for the first time in I don't know how many years. Hit 16, 13, 30. Uh, now it's in the red by 40 cents. 
Silver nearly went to $19, went up to $18.89.5, now trading down 7.3 cents at uh, $18.32. Bitcoin uh, quietly here moved into the 8,000 handle. The Bitcoin futures are up $90 at $8,370. So Bitcoin being included in a little bit of the uh, flight to quality here, it's still holding up today, but uh, I had the sell-off. Um, I think what's uh, causing problems for a lot of the overnight trading, a lot of the ARBs is you made that low between 745 and 8. So at that point, there had not been a Trump tweet. Uh, there had been nothing to uh, to verify. In fact, uh, <laughs> one buddy of mine here uh, asked if um, Iran uh, fired Nerf guns, you know? I mean, what did, you know, the damage was, was minimal, I guess. We haven't really heard anything official. All we can deal is what we have on the screen. And uh, there's green on the screen here, 32.42 up in six and three quarters handles. I mean, it seemed like um, it was just a, it seemed like it was a warning shot. Uh, they fired it at two Iraqi missiles, 22 missiles at two Iraqi bases. Uh, I haven't seen any reports of any casualties uh, from either uh, the Iraqi side or the U.S. side. Um, but it, the timing was very unusual too, because this happened around what, like around the news started to get at it around five, five thirty. Uh, earlier, Phoenix. earlier. Um, I, uh, I was looking uh, at pro and, uh, I saw something as early as like four twenty one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, then we, and then we really started to leak, uh, for the entire after hour session. Like you said, we didn't details were were coming out but we didn't get any official uh anything until later in the evening uh and trump comes out at 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 what 9 45 uh, eastern time i believe and says uh yeah 9 45 last night tweeting all is well uh so far so good as far as assessing the damage is, is concerned um but by that point the market had had sold off and and started to bounce back already so it's sort of crazy how all the moves all the big moves from between four and seven forty five eight p m last night just yep. it's just gone like they just undid all of it and uh on top of this in the midst of all this happening, a Ukrainian plane leaving uh Iran uh crashed it was a boeing uh seven thirty seven and everyone on board uh, was killed. So on top of this happening, you have another Boeing. Uh, on any other day, we would have led with that probably. But um, I don't know. There's just there's a lot going on here. You have overnight move, big moves, one and a half percent moves in S and P futures, and big moves in oil, moves in Bitcoin. It's it's all moving here. And it's giving it back. I don't even know what you can say about this market. Uh, it, 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 by the, I guess buy the dip, no matter what. I mean, I that's what yes. the opportunity is. It's just a question of, you know, when do you come in and when do you buy the dip? Uh, you know, using, I mean, at 8 o'clock last night, you know, it probably looked like we were going to be down, you know, two, 3,000 points. And then, yeah. you know, the stock's closed and all the arms are locked in their positions. You started the rally. Uh, the Trump tweet, you know, send things, you know, got things going in the other direction. Uh, we'll just, uh, you know, he has a press conference later on today. Uh, one has to wonder, you know, if this was a warning shot. I mean, if this was their bet, if it was best effort, I mean. It seems, it seems unlikely. I mean, it, 
Yeah. It seems like it was a um, they're trying to do a proportionate response here. But so, something else that confused me this morning is I came in and I, I hopped on my laptop and I've got uh, Think or Swim on there from TD Ameritrade and I'm seeing all these these all all these candles, all these ticks at eight, nine, ten p.m., eleven p.m., twelve a.m. in in the spy, and I'm just like, what? Because that and it took right. me a second to realize that you can trade overnight in true twenty-four hour fashion on Think or Swim, TD Ameritrade, and that. So this is this is a, a day that was made for that, uh, and I had forgotten that, that was the thing. So if you're on your Think of swim this morning, and, and you see these overnight candles at at odd hours. It's because they have an overnight market. Uh, you don't typically see that because there's really not much of a market at 11 p.m. But uh, last night there was. There was trading at 10, 11 p.m. in in you know on TD Ameritrade. Uh, but for everyone else, they woke up this morning and uh, the dip was bought. The yep. spy gap from basically 317 right up to three. 22, I think is where it opened. Uh, well, where did it open at, Joel? 322? Um, at what time are you talking about? I'm talking about the, I guess the, what am I talking about? The 4 a.m.? Uh, okay. Yeah, the, I can I can give you that. Uh, bo- bo- boom. I think it was around there at 4 a.m. Yeah, 322 yeah, at 4 a.m. So, I mean, it just, what? <laughs> I just don't even know. I mean, so I, I take umbrage with the the statement from Trump that all is well. All is obviously not well right now. There you go. Um, so <laughs> let's see how this plays out. I don't even know. I guess I don't even didn't even expect Iran to to do what they did. But now we've got m- missile strikes on both sides here. I don't. I don't really know how. Obviously. I don't think yeah, there's nothing. I mean, all you can look is what the market just did. It reacted. It's off the lows. We have resistance above. Uh, let's see if we can break through that resistance and make a new all-time high. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the Boeing price action. Yeah. Uh, different theories on why you know that plane went down. We don't know the exact reason. I heard it was a uh, an engine fire, uh, but I mean that thing. The same thing that the crash happened. It opened up. In the, at the four o'clock session, opened up at the low, and rallied. It got opened up at three twenty-seven and rallied. Uh, got a, a lot of the losses back. I look at the range from yesterday. I don't think we're going to see closing yesterday's closing price of uh, of three thirty-seven twenty-eight. We're trading at three thirty seventy-one. That is even above yesterday's low here. So use that as support and uh, your low from yesterday. Uh, which man, look at that! Your your low in the regular session from Monday was twenty seven eighty eight, and then in pre market trading, they took it to twenty seven sixty. So there's uh, if you go back that down to that level, uh, there's your support in Boeing. Uh, had a nice pop yesterday over three forty, but uh, couldn't hold it. Uh, keeping an eye on that three thirty area. But more importantly, that overnight low coinciding with the low from Monday. And actually, there's another low in there from January 2nd at 327.70. So I think I would move my, uh, obviously, 320 is a huge level there. But now you got to really look at 327.70 as you have uh, three different data points 
uh, coinciding at that level. So Boeing and plus the Spoo's rallying probably helped it out a little bit, but um, we'll see what happens. We have to wait to get to more information on uh, the causes of that plane crash. It is just crazy how this market moved. If, if you look at the overnight charts of the stocks we've been talking about the past few days, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, uh, and even your like defensive like staples like Procter Gamble and Coke, they all just moved and then moved back. If you look at like Lockheed Martin, yeah, I mean they made a move, move back, move uh, Coke made a move and move back, Procter Gamble move, move back, Raytheon, all these uh, the the war trade basically happened, and then it undid itself in a matter of of, of hours. It's just crazy how fast that trade was over. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, not only in the price action today have you seen that in these uh, defense contractors, but they're just thinner stocks. You know, your three, four hundred dollar stocks. Someone sees, you know, plane, you know, um, you know the the strikes, they're lifting offers at just exorbitant prices. Not a lot of volume, like Lockheed Martin. Somehow it traded up to four thirty eight ninety nine, but you know couple thousand shares have traded there not much and then just all the other lots so they're thin stocks to begin with yeah. during the regular session the ever you know even thinner overnight right. so if you're trying to play these you know these moves some of these overnight moves i a lot of times you know we've said this on the show it's more you know like if you were long lockheed martin and you had a 435 target you know take it you know, who knows what's going to happen. Goes to 438, you're looking bad. But, you know, you wake up this morning when cooler heads prevail and there's a little bit more liquidity, boom, you're back down. So, the, you know, thin stocks during the day, even thinner at night. Uh, so, you know, that's something that you got to keep an eye on. Stick to your, to your targets and your rules and your discipline. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'd hate to see any of our, uh, any of our customers, you know, get, uh, you know, caught buying up there and spencer um i also i want you know we got that that nice phone call yesterday if you could uh place in the chat or say again i'd yeah. like to you know for our people that are perhaps on a train or in a car and you know listen to us on their phone or whatever hopefully you're not driving and uh and uh watching the show but put out a number we had a great yeah. question yesterday and we like to do all we can to help investors, not only ones that are sitting at their computers at home, but uh, for, you know other people that are, are enjoying our show around the world. Uh, let me bring on Dennis here. Dennis, uh, first of all, good morning. Uh, did you sleep at all? Interest? No, there's been no sleep. And you know, this, if you want to talk bad here today, this is what you'll look like when you basically don't sleep. So it's been just an absolutely insanity. I mean, from last night when we were down 55 points to rallying it all back. And I had the phone call with Joel about 9.30, you know, after the equities had closed at 8. I finally was able to, you know, talk on the phone. And we were rallying on the futures already. You know, we were already 30 points off the lows. And I was, I was just looking and saying, you know, that there's a possibility they're going to take this market flat. I'm like, I can't believe it. I literally could not believe that, you know, we can drop 55 points. Last night looked everything like it was going to crash today. You think about how many people are long. You just think about the setup. You think, you know, gold spiking, you know, you, the, the oil spiking so far, uh, the defense stocks. It looked like we were going into World War III. And here we are 12 hours later, 
And it's like none of that happened. It's the buy the dip mentality is just absolutely unbelievable. And yes, we got some more news. And yes, we've heard there's no casualties. So that was maybe a big catalyst, you know, that it wasn't as bad as it first feared. But to buy this market higher on this, I, I can't fathom it. I mean, is this over? Is it over now? Like, that's it? I, I highly doubt this is over. So I, I don't know, like maybe this is an opportunity, you know, and yesterday I was like, I don't see what's going to derail this market. That market was so spooked last night that it's got me spooked. And I'm like, I don't know if this rally this morning is a gift or maybe it's just going to continue to rally. And there's going to be the people who say, well, war times markets rally in that as well. I'll tell you last night, it looked ugly. Like we had stocks. I bought McDonald's last night and we talked about this i bought mcdonald's last night down almost five points they're selling mcdonald's down five dollars last night like you can look at the trades on it i think i bought it in the 198 handle um and then maybe some in the 199 handle so down three three four points on mcdonald's but that wasn't the only thing i mean amd last night was trading down almost two points it was in the low 46s it's got all the losses back too i mean this is the most resilient market that I've ever witnessed in my 20 years. Um, I don't know what's happened before that, but I've never seen resiliency like this before. What are your guys' thoughts? I mean, is this over? The market's acting like no big deal. No big deal if they you know, targeted US military sites. No big deal. It's okay. That's what the market is saying right now. Is it rational? Is this rational? No, probably, probably not. But one day, one day, I don't know when that day is, this pattern will end and they're not going to I thought it ended last night. And I positioned, you know, I was buying gold stocks last night. I was buying oil stocks on the you know, initial thing. And, and those, and, and obviously, you know, I'm not getting the beats on them because they've turned, you know, they turned around. But oil was up last night, $4 a barrel. And now it's down. So not only gives it all back, it actually goes down. So they, the market is saying that it is over, that there's going to be no war. There's going to be no continuing of any of this. This is done, one and done. That is what the market is saying right now, especially with oil trading down. I don't know if I think that's as one and done. But if you believe it's one and done and you see the resiliency of this market, I mean, it's a very hard market to go short in. Like, how do you continue to go short this market that buys everything. They don't even just buy, you know, they're, they're buying, you know, when, when the U.S. is targeted. They're buying this. It, it, it's nuts. I, I, don't, I don't understand it from a rational thought that none of this makes sense. This rally makes zero sense from thinking rationally. But people aren't thinking rationally right now. There's just money managers who are underinvested. They lick their chops again overnight here. Futures down 50. They're like, get me in. Fear of missing out is just FOMO. It's all FOMO. But I don't know if it's done. So I'm like looking out. I'm pretty fully invested in my portfolio. I'm almost thinking maybe I should lighten up a little bit. But it's always been a mistake. It's always been a mistake to lighten up. I'm just scared that this is not done yet, though. Are they going to be satisfied that nobody got killed with their vengeance that they're taking? Are they going to be satisfied that nobody got killed? I'm asking. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. I think what's really interesting, though, is that, you know, the, the timing of things, too. I mean, between 
you know, the stocks are the the stocks are still open, but the futures are closed. You know, between four fifteen and four thirty, and then the low was made at seven four. You know, like between seven forty five and eight, right? So then, boom, and then the 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 tweet comes out at like nine forty five. So very very hard to position. What I was just tweet are you talking about? Uh, the Trump tweet. The, the one at nine forty five. All is well. That tweet. Yeah, and is that the reason? Like, it's all because of a Trump tweet that no, everybody shrugs no. us off? No, 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 because the market was coming back before that. It was, it was off the left. It, it made sense to come back somewhat, because once we found out there was no casualties, once we found out it wasn't that bad, that made some sense. So I'm not arguing, you know, mm-hmm. being down 55 points last night was no liquidity. I heard what you're talking about before. You know, it was probably irrational. That's why I was buying some stocks. I mean, I wasn't just, you know, getting all bare. I was buying some stocks down there, too. Um, you know, I bought Qualcomm last night. I bought a lot of stocks last night too. So, you know, overall I, I was fairly hedged with my trading portfolio, but when I look at it now, we're trading up 10 handles. What? Like maybe it's just all the people who shorted last night are just scrambling. I think that's a lot of it too. You know, so maybe that's what it is too, but I cannot understand why this is a positive event. That's what I don't understand. So it was a blessing. If there really is no casualties, that is a very, you know, that's a blessing. And thank goodness for that. But to come over here, you know, and obviously there could have been some casualties and U.S. sites targeted, to come over here and now buy it and take us green by 10 handles, that's what makes no sense to me at all. I think, you know, maybe rationally, we should be down to 20 to 30 when we and you were talking last night, Joel. But this is all now just, you know, people bouncing in and saying nothing's going to bring this market down i need to get long at any cost i need to be invested in this market and you know and i don't know what everybody else is saying i haven't logged in the chat yet because i've been so busy but but you know I'll, I'll log in there and take a look too i'm just you know this market does not trade rationally at all it hasn't for years but now it's like it's it is- not scared of nothing it's not even scared of war it's not even scared when u.s sites are targeted there you, yeah, there you go. I mean, the, um, the just look at the top. Like I'm saying, I'm going back to the timeline events. Now we have the liquidity coming in. You know, at the 9:30 open, we'll see. We'll see what happens with you know by the end of the day. Also, Trump speaks and stuff. I'd be it'd be absolutely remarkable. Perhaps we hold on to these gains for today. I just like what you said. I mean, also they were saying. Uh, you know, on the TV that uh, this is just the beginning of the attacks. And this is just, you know, we're just getting started. And I think that added uh, a little bit, a little bit of a fear. And, and, uh, and maybe the- it's a one and done. That's what the market is hoping for here. Or maybe the market just likes war. Maybe, you know, you can have all the, you know, the people, you know, come on and say, well, you know, it's good market. You know, we saw what happened, you know, basically World War II ended the Great Depression. There's all those arguments too. But I just like am so impressed by the resiliency of this market. It's why I'm fully invested. But I got spooked last night, and I had major, major remorse for being fully invested last night. I was thinking about my long-term portfolio, and I'm like, I'm going to lose a lot of money in the long-term portfolio. Yes, I'm making some money trading, but I'm going to get killed in my long-term stuff. And now it comes back. I'm going to actually make money on this in my long-term stuff. It makes no sense to me. So part of me just thinks I should lighten up a little bit not be fully invested maybe you know lighten up and raise another 10 percent cash maybe uh, part of me my spiny senses are saying lighten up but again every time i've done that it has been a mistake 
and then I'm scrambling to get stocks back. So I guess you just stay fully invested and don't worry about your long-term stuff. Um, but from a trading perspective, I'll tell you, I'm not buying today. I, I, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong. It's going to keep squeezing them. Maybe we're going to be up like 500 Dow points just because this market is that way. I'm too scared to short it too. Um, you know, and obviously I trade and I do all the inefficiency trade. And I'll be making lots of trades today. But to make a call and say, I'm going to you know, go short a million dollars worth of you know, SPY here because it's just irrational. I can't do that either. It's I, hard market. I, I have a question. Uh, I'm already exhausted. When does 2020 end? Uh, I need a... It's been a pretty crazy 2020 so far. <laughs> We're seven days in. I mean, it's been pretty crazy. Let's think about this VIX. The VIX down here too. I mean, let's just say that it's not done. And let's just say, you know, the VIX being in this low portfolio insurance is probably still pretty cheap. Maybe that's the play. Maybe you just buy a little bit of insurance just in case it's not a one and done. I don't think it's done. Personally, I don't think it's done. I don't think they're done. I don't think they'll be satisfied that nobody died because they want vengeance. Well, nobody died. So I, 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 I don't think they're going to be satisfied with that. Uh, well, here, I just could come to a conclusion, then we can move on to some of the other stocks. Uh, I think what the market is saying is like, this is the best that they had, and this is what they tried to do, and this is a retaliation, and it, it, you know, it didn't amount to much. So I think that's what the market is interpreting right now. Hey, Why does it interpret it, I guess, because nobody died? You know, why does I, it interpret it completely different last night when they sold everything and bought gold up $40 and bought oil up $4? Why is it all interpreted differently now? My, my best justification is that it was not a, a U.S. site. It was an, it was an Iraqi base that housed uh, U.S. soldiers. But Did somebody die? Somebody's saying there is some casualties. Maybe, like I heard nobody died. I heard no U.S. deaths, and last I heard it was no Iraqi deaths. But uh, okay, so anyway, somebody in the chat, uh, somebody was saying H3R was saying someone did die. I, I I did not hear that anybody died. Me neither. So that's news to me if somebody did die in this, and I hope nobody died. I yeah. really, you know, I was thinking the worst when I was seeing the market tank last night. I was like, oh my goodness, there's going to be a lot of people that got killed in this. So I hope it sounds like they were prepared. If nobody died, it's pretty impressive. So that's good preparation, and um, you know excellent news that nobody died but i still can't understand I, I just don't get why i don't think we're gonna i don't think we're. i guess gonna we just understand. can't think about the market you know and move back to it maybe we just talk technically because when you try to put rational thought to this market you'll lose money i mean this has been the way this market has traded for years if you're always thinking rationally um you know all through you know the last 10 years of this bull market there's been so many things to worry about I guess if you thought rationally, you made the wrong call. So maybe we should just take our rational thought, yeah. throw it all in the garbage, and just trade what you see. And if we're trading what we see, the S&Ps aren't in any trouble at all until we at least get through 320 on SPY. You got a little double bottom in there. So I'm just trading pure technicals right now. Forget about the action last night. It's off the board. Um, yep. you know, it's, it's not there. Let's just think of it not existing. 320 SPY is so bulls are still in control. So I guess I don't get nervous until 320 SPY is taken out. How's that sound? And, and good for me, and I'm just, you know, even though we traded much lower in the S and, uh, in the overnight session, I'm still looking at that low from Friday, which was matched by Monday's low, uh, which is still 30 handles away. I, and technically speaking on the upside, you know, you had that blow off high at 32.63.50. 
So, I mean, there is some resistance points going up to there. It seems like you're finding some sellers between 3250 in that area, but uh, let's see if we can get back above that 3263.50. We talked a little bit of Boeing here. Uh, another plane goes down. You would think that it would be down more than $4.76, yeah. but there was rumors yesterday, yesterday that Buffett was buying it too. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think Boeing's a buy. As long as it's above 320. We talked about this before you had the trade set up and the resiliency of it with what I've seen here. I think Boeing is a buy. That's my opinion. Um, I'm not long it. I'm thinking about getting long it. Maybe I'll buy it today on this pullback here, but stopping out below 320. It's just not such a nice level. We've seen multiple headlines, bad headlines coming out, you know, and the stock rallies. The one concern why, you know, I'm a little hesitant myself to just dive in is I'm still not 100% that the dividend is safe. So, and if they cut the dividend, that could be really bad news. But in this market, who the hell knows? They cut the dividend, maybe the thing. It may be good, right? Well, this is the most ridiculous market I've ever seen. So, you know, most resilient, I guess, too. So. Well, don't look now, but we're coming into earnings season. If, if I could pivot away from this conversation, uh, just sure. for the sake of uh, variety here. But we're wrapping up. Uh, I guess these are still earnings from... The last cycle, we have Lennar and Constellation Brands reporting this morning. Uh-huh. Um, the market likes them both because they both beat. Lennar beat on its EPS and sales. Constellation Brands also beat on its EPS and sales. Let's start with Lennar. Lennar was trading down two bucks last night just on the nervousness. I saw it trade in the, I believe it traded in the 55 handle last night. I might be wrong. It was at least in the 56 handle. Uh, but I nope. think it traded in the 55s. Dennis, you got a good eye there. It went to 50, uh, boom, boom, boom. Just what under 56. It? What was that? Yeah, 56 is the low. 56. 56. Okay, I traded down a buck last night, and I was even saying, I was like, man, there's so many nervous Nellies out here because they're even selling a stock, you know, a home builder, which the home builders always seem to beat, and they're hitting that down a dollar ahead of the report. I mean, they were hitting everything last night, across the board hitting. They were hitting Coca-Cola. Uh, like they were hitting tar- target was down three bucks last night target was down uh, i i believe it traded in the 120 handle last night that's how crazy this market got last night 121 i think 121 even target was down almost three dollars this target why were you selling and some of this didn't make sense so i bought mcdonald's last night i bought a few things last night because i'm like a lot of this just doesn't make any sense um but you know they were selling across the board and last night, Lennar, same thing. They were selling that. They were selling everything they could sell last night. They were even selling XLU. I bought the XLU last night. I was like, utility stocks. I bought that like down 50 cents last night. They were selling that down 1% just because they're that nervous. I already sold the XLU. I already sold it this morning. So I already made the 50 cents back. But I mean, that's how irrational the selling was last night. It was not rational. It was sell everything at all costs, except gold, oil, and defense stocks, which they bought up. Like Lockheed Martin, I know I've brought it back to this, but it was just such incredible action. I feel like we don't get to talk about this stuff that much. Sure, go ahead. Earnings all the time. Lockheed Martin was up 20 points last night. It traded 435. It was up $20. 20 bucks. Try it's four. flat almost right now. It's 416. It's up a buck. That's not a bad ticks. It was bid up there. 430. Do you see the 435, Joel? It was I, see, I see 438.99. 438.99. saw a 435 bid. I was like, it's up 20 points. You could have hit that short. A 435 bid all day. Probably got done on size if you wanted to. That's how irrational this market was last night. 
They're, they were li literally pricing in World War III, and they were wrong. The people who were putting on all those positions were dead wrong. The entire trade reversed from gold being up $40, from oil being up $4, to the defense stocks all being bought, to every other stock getting sold. The entire thing, the entire thing reversed overnight. And I, and I, think, I think to put this in context, I think that's why Dennis is so wound up. Is I'm flabbergasted. We, 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 we get volatility after hours. It's not unusual, but it's very unusual to see uh, trades just reverse across the board in pretty much everything. In everything. one night. In the one entire night. day, night, last night didn't happen. That's what this market is priced in right now. Everything didn't happen, but it did. I mean, what an opportunity. Last night, if you were, you know, looking and, you know, obviously coming in on some of these stocks, I mean, last night, Roku, for instance, Roku was down. Five. Tesla, you want to know Tesla? Tesla was down almost $17 last night. Tesla, it's up six bucks. It's always up six bucks. It goes up <laughs> six bucks every day. Somebody sold that down 17 points last night. 17. It was like 452. That's not a joke. It was not like on just a quick sweep. It was down there for a while, like for an hour, trading actively down there. What's the low on Tesla? Uh, let me pull it up here. I saw 452. How do you see all yeah. these? 452. Uh, uh, like... um, for real. I have, yeah, 452 and a half. It traded down there. Like you see, oh, it traded down there. You couldn't have got it. You could have bought as much stock as you could have swallowed on Tesla last night. You could have bought probably $5 million in the 452 to 454 handle if you wanted to. I mean, if you're a big money manager, you're managing a long-term portfolio, could you buy a billion dollars worth of Tesla? No. If you're an individual investor, you could have probably bought as much as you can swallow. I tell you, I can't swallow $5 million worth of Tesla. You could have bought that much last night. You could have bought everything last night. It was absolutely incredible. Incredible that it's reversed. I'm, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever seen that much fear turn into back to the bullishness that quickly. I don't think I've ever seen it in my 20 years. I've seen, you know, obviously, you know, during the financial crisis, you saw whipsaw action. We were down 500, then we were up. So we've seen it then, but those were different times. In stable markets, where all of a sudden we just get a 500-point sell-off and then we get it all back the next day, I don't think I've ever seen it. And what I mean by stable markets is when the VIX isn't at 90, the VIX, which it was in the financial crisis, the VIX is at, was at 13. It's crazy that these stocks were sold that hard last night. There was so much fear. And that's what spooks me a little bit because that fear could, 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 could come back. And I saw how quickly and ugly it got. There was people who were in full panic last night. I started like thinking, like, maybe I'm worrying about my long-term portfolios. Like, maybe this World War III thing, maybe we're going to be down 1000 tomorrow. I mean, the way it was trading was just absolutely incredible. Who's the guest? Because I don't want to keep going. At 835, we got a guest? Yep, Michelle Krebs. Uh, we're going to talk autos, autos with her. And on a, on a normal day, we, we would have probably <laughs> talked about Boeing and the auto stocks for the first half hour or so. But uh, we didn't even get to them. But that's okay, because I want to bring her on right now. Uh, Michelle Krebs is executive analyst at Cox Automotive. And there's a lot of stuff happening in the space right now. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. I want to. There is a lot happening. <laughs> there's a lot happening here. We've barely scratched the surface on, on today's show. I want to start off just because we've talked about it already. Uh, Tesla here. 
I mean, we've talked about the stock. You know the company uh, a little more fundamentally than we do. What are your thoughts on Tesla here and the, the move it's made and, and their production in China and, and everything happening to them right now? Um, well, I, the move in China is not a surprise. Uh, that is going. That is the biggest market in the world and the biggest EV market in the world, and um, they're they're quite popular there. So uh, that that is not a surprise. Um, this is going to be an interesting year for uh, Tesla. They're rolling out new products. Uh, the the sport utility based on the the Model Three comes out. The Model Y. Um, they're talking about this year being when they bring out the electric truck. Um, so they've got a lot on their plate in terms of product launches. And as we know, they haven't always gone smoothly. So is, is the only question now, can they deliver? It seems like the, the question of can they deliver in the U.S. seems like that was answered. Um, if, you, if you think that that's wrong, then correct me. But now is, is the question now, can they deliver in China? Well, I think that I, I don't think that the U.S. is a foregone conclusion. I mean, they're they've, they're rolling out new products. Can they produce those smoothly? Um, and uh, um, you know, the other thing I think you know, cash. Are are they going to continue to be able to um, bring in cash to keep the company rolling because it's not profitable? So uh, there's a, there's still a lot of questions on, on in terms of Tesla this this year. I'm not. I have a question. I don't know if you follow the company at all, but uh, Neo thought to be the Tesla of China. Do you have any insight as to how Tesla's movement to China would impact them at all? Um, I don't know the China market all that well. I know of Neo. Um, you know, China's struggling overall. So uh, the, the basic fundamental automotive market is a challenge there right now. But you know, certainly it's a, a, a market of the future. And that's a great segue into GM, who warned that their sales in China are going to drop 15% uh, on a year-over-year basis. Uh, give us your thoughts here on, on what GM is facing. Well, uh, again, GM faces a lot of challenges. The sales have been dropping in, in China, along with the rest of the market. Um, and... Um, I, I don't know, you know, they've talked about bringing a lot of electric vehicles into that market, and clearly there's no money to be made in the electric vehicle market just yet, so that that is going to be a challenge. And they have challenges on the home front. They're, you know, trying to turn around the Cadillac division. They're, uh, they've got a lot of new launches this year with their big sport utility vehicles, which are big profit margin uh, vehicles. They need to do that uh, successfully. Um, uh, they're converting the entire Buick division, at least in the U.S., not in China, to no cars and all SUVs. Um, so uh, they they also have a lot on their plate. Maybe we should zoom out here for a moment and just looking at the overall uh, U.S. Uh, auto market in 2020. What what are the biggest themes going to be this year? Um, well, we think that uh, the market's going to be down a little bit. In 2019, sales were down almost 2%, but we still hit the 17 million mark, barely, for the fifth consecutive year. That's a, a run we've never seen before. We don't think it will hit 17 million uh, in 2020. We think it'll be down another couple of percentage points. Our, we're in the ballpark of 16.6, 16.7 million vehicles this year. Um, we, we think there are some... Uh, headwinds. Um, one concern we have is credit. While it's cheap and widely available, 
that's not the case with more subprime buyers. And in fact, we're seeing uh, rising delinquencies in, in that segment. So that will certainly have an effect. Um, and economic growth is slowing a bit. Uh, and also, we have sold a whole lot of vehicles in the last five to 10 years. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of pent up demand left. What, which brands are best positioned for this year and, and if you want to go longer, further out going forward? Well, Subaru has been the best position brand in the U.S. They have had a remarkable run of the last 10 years. They are continuing. They just surpassed the 700,000 vehicle mark. Um, they've had 90-some consecutive year-over-year uh, -year sales increases except for one or two, and that was simply because they didn't have vehicles to sell. And they sell with no incentives, low in inventories, and low fleet sales. So they, they have, they're often ignored, but they are a shining light in the market, and I don't see that that is changing. Um, you know, uh, Lincoln, you know, Ford has done a good job with Lincoln. They were way up this year, and uh, they've shifted to a more all-sport utility vehicle line. They've struggled getting the Aviator uh, launched along with the Explorer because of problems at the Chicago plant, but um, they're looking good. Hyundai Kia, what a difference a uh, few SUVs make. They uh, have had a great run uh, with their three-row uh, SUVs. Um, so that they're they're ones to watch. The one on the negative side to watch Nissan. Uh, you know, Carlos Ghosn right now is having a press conference uh, in Lebanon about uh, uh, the situation of his arrest in um, Japan. Uh, that has been just a pale over the Nissan Infinity brands, and they're they're going to continue to struggle. It would seem like though that the company is as has moved is beyond that. No. Oh, I don't think so. No. No, you don't think so. Not. Okay. No. No, I mean there there here's what happened at least in the US. Uh the uh when Gone was in charge, he said you will get 10% market share in the US. Um a lot of bad practices uh were in place. They were discounting hugely when um everybody else was dialing back. Uh they had a the situation with uh, dealers, they're called stair-step incentives, where you, you have to reach certain marks to get certain um, uh, uh, incentives as a dealer. Uh, they put a lot of vehicles into daily rental fleets. Those, that, those are not good practices, and it hurts resale values, and it hurts the brand uh, image. Uh, and so now they've got to do a lot of damage control to unwind a lot of that, and that's not going to happen in a year. What about uh, FCA here? Haven't haven't hit on them yet. Right. Well, FCA, uh, we uh, will be watching closely how the whole uh, merger with PSA unfolds. Uh, but if you dig into the numbers at FCA in the U.S., yes, Ram uh, was did fabulously. Sales were up something like 18%. They, the Ram 1500 beat the Chevrolet Silverado for the number two truck spot for the first time, I think, ever. Uh, but and and Jeep did held its own, but if you look at the other divisions, um, pretty dismal performances, double-digit declines with Fiat, which they've eliminated some vehicles there, Alfa Romeo, which was supposed to be one of their global pillars, Chrysler, Dodge, uh, and they, in addition to working through the merger, they've got some other things happening. They have a big contract uh, with the talk coming up with the union in Canada, which is where they make 
their minivans and uh, a lot of, and their sedans. So a lot on the plate for FCA as well. And I know we've had some news this week out of CES as far as self-driving cars. Is I've sort of been trying to keep track of it. Is there any headlines that or, or announcements from CES uh, that you saw as particularly interesting to the automaker space uh, this week? Well, the shocker was that Sony introduced an electric car. Uh, now, whether they intend to actually make electric car or if it's a showcase for their technology, but that that caught everybody off guard. I mean, we've we've known that Apple had been working on an electric car. We 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 thought we knew all the players. That I don't think that was one that was on anyone's uh, radar. I think I must have missed that in the deluge of of other things I was watching. Uh, it, it, it was a fully electric car that... Yes. No, I, I'm not out there, so I didn't see yeah. all the details of it, but it certainly caught our eye. It was not It was not anything that uh, we expected, for sure. What, what about, was there anything from, like, GM or Ford that, that caught your eye at all? Um, you know, the automakers are a little bit quiet. The, uh, the traditional automakers are a little bit quiet there. Mercedes did some... Uh, made an announcement of a vehicle, um, but uh, you know, I think I, I think one of the things we, we're coming to reality on EVs and AVs. AVs are going to be further off in the future, and so I think that some of the euphoria, euphoria we saw a few years ago when I was at CES is kind of tapered oh, no. back. Yep. Um, and you know, EVs they still hit, they're still only a teensy part of the market, at least here in the U.S. So I think there's uh, reality checks happening. We're on the line with Michelle Krebs. She's an executive analyst at Cox Automotive, joining us here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Show. Uh, Michelle, we, we've had you on over the years, and um, I think you've always, you know, painted a really, you know, fair picture of what's going on in the auto, automotive market um, as far as, you know, supply and demand. Uh, the U.S. automakers hit their peaks a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I get these ideas in my head, and I, and I can't get them out, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping maybe you can help me with this one. Farther on down the line here, 5, 10, 15 years from now, do you see there being – more U.S., you know, more vehicles on the road? Or do you think with the evolution of Uber and Lyft and Tesla and self-driving cars that you're going to be seeing a, a decrease in overall automotive autos on the road? Um, well, it depends on the time frame. I, I don't think in the next five to ten years we're going to see car sharing and ride sharing um, replace personal transportation by any stretch and I don't I think we'll probably still see gasoline engines for the next 10 years uh so um I I don't I I think these will be little incremental changes I'm not sure what happens with the total fleet if you look at New York City there are more you know it's more congested with uh car sharing ride sharing um but but I don't think personal transportation uh, is going anywhere. What I do think we are going to see is some changes in how people acquire that personal transportation. We're we're involved with we own a company called Clutch Technologies, which is doing subscription services. Um, that that may take off because the price of vehicles has gotten so high. It's it's pushed some people out of the market. Uh, and people want more flexibility. So I think there's going to be more experimenting with how we actually acquire personal transportation beyond some of the things that we know today. 
Because I was just looking at it from the perspective of, of these auto insurance companies, and I, I know this is way out of way out of your ballpark. Uh, but I, I'm just thinking that overall, there's going to be less cars on the road and less people, you know, having, you know, maybe going from two car to one car. And I just don't see. I mean, I if the insurance agencies are just going to have to keep. Uh, uh, you know, raising rates in order to compensate for, you know, the lower number of vehicles on the road. I'm just kind of looking at this. It's kind of like a longer term theory here, but uh, we'll have to see how that, we'll still have to see how that, uh, that plays out over the years. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I'm I, done with I, cars. I, I mean, I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm getting rid of my car. I will be down to one not. car here in a couple of years. And whatever transportation is, you know, I don't need the aggravation of, you know, all auto insurance and parking and everything. I mean, it just seems like, a, you know, a vet, I, I, I kind of, I'd have to say in five to 10 years, I think there's going to be a lot less vehicles on the road. So if there's less vehicle production, I don't see how like Ford and GM are going to, I mean, they're already declining now. So that's just, well, uh, but, but think about this. Uh, um, somebody's going to have to move you around. Uh, And so there will be more vehicles on the road to do car sharing, ride sharing, and those vehicles will be in use. The capacity utilization will be far higher. The miles traveled will be far higher. So I think you could argue they have to be replaced more often. So I don't think anyone knows the answer to that, if there's more or less. And it's certainly, you know, some of us live in places you can't be without a car. So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, so, um, what you say, Spencer? you, You live in Detroit. You can't survive without a car here. Can't no, you? Spencer. You know why? Because you're going to drive me to work every oh, okay. day. Okay. Um, <laughs> Use, Michelle, using a vehicle. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, but I get rid of mine. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, Michelle, one more before we let you go here. Uh, you, you briefly mentioned subprime auto loans. When, uh, when are we going to see this? Will it impact the broader economy? We haven't really seen the other shoe drop there. Well, we're watching that very closely because in, in the November numbers showed a big increase in uh, delinquencies, defaults, and uh, that tends to go up through February. So I would be watching, um, you know, January, February, uh, uh, as people can't pay their, their loans and maybe hang over from the holiday spending. Um, we're watching that very closely. All right, Michelle Krems has been on the line with us. She's an executive analyst at Cox Automotive, one of uh, one of the best experts in the auto space. Michelle, thanks so much for the time, and have have a good one. So that just Thank that, you. That, that adds Gene Munster, Spencer, Dennis, and Michelle Krems to against my theory. Yeah, of, everybody's of, everyone's against me. Yeah. Now I know I'm right. I uh, know I'm right when everyone's fading me on that one. Okay. Right. Um, thanks, got- Michelle. Yeah, we got a good question here. Uh, somebody left us a voicemail, and I'm not going to play it, but I want to ask their question. It's a good one, one that we don't uh, discuss enough on this show. Maybe we imply it more than we discuss it outright. But the question from uh, this listener is, how does the pre-market trading actually affect the interday market? Like, do pre-market highs and lows provide interday support and resistance? That, that's the gist of this question here, is, Joel, is how, exactly, this one. how exactly does the pre-market trading affect the, the the real the real main trading session. Oh I'll, man! I'll let you take it, Joel. Oh jeez. Because you've, I mean, you've, you've I, lectured this a few times. Yeah, I don't know if this person's been listening to the well, show at all. Well, <laughs> we're pre-market prep, so obviously we're biased here. We like the pre-market. 
No, no, they're just asking. They just want to know, like, does it provide support and resistance, or just that it, it's not. We the don't answer to all is yes. <laughs> for yes. for sure. I, I, okay, I'll just jump in here because uh, and we like the question, so it, it's a good question. It's a good question because there's a well, lot of because because you have all your chart providers that don't even incorporate this action. Like you know, when you're looking at you know longer term charts, you won't see the big sell off that we had last night. But that can impact stocks too. I mean, that has a say in all of it um, because you know uh, what happens overnight is going to make people you know potentially, like I said, if you're just coming here right now, let's just say we ignore pre market action and after hours action. If you come in here right now, you're just like, oh, well, they did a miss. It was a non-event. You missed all the fireworks from last night. You missed all that action. I'm not saying you have to profit from it, but there's, you know, people like me who are longer term invested that got spooked by that. So there is, you know, obviously an impact there. And, you know, the pre-market often dictates, you know, where the stocks will go. They're trading down pre-market. They're usually, you know, with volume, they're usually going to open down. So, you know, it usually prices in. It's just a continuation of the pricing. On news, it's all priced in the pre-market and after hours. I mean, by the time the stocks open at 9.30, for the most part, a lot of them are already priced in the news where it wants to go. So the pre-market action absolutely impacts where it goes. It's more influential than a lot of the day trading and intraday trading, because a lot of the intraday trading is just chop. We get the pre-market after hours action, that's the price discovery. That's where the stocks are moving. That's where the news is. So those pre-market after hours lows, Joel tracks those all the time. I mean, and we talk about them on the show. Where it went to in the pre-market often during the day, you'll see it, you know, if it was a big level, comes back down and might retest it, might bounce at that same level. So absolutely very important to, you know, monitor very, that action, yeah, even that's if you're an intraday trader. Yeah. And also, I mean, it. you see um, – uh, Obviously, a pre-market level is more important when it coincides with a daily level. But uh, just give you the example here in Boeing, and you saw the news in Boeing. You saw the two-day low. You saw this area. The people that are out there during the regular sessions, if you don't think that they're out there overnight in the overnight session, maybe not – not not you know not in the same kind of size but taking advantage of these moves also for continuation moves like you look at something and, and i'll just look at the s p for today and you know 32 46 and a quarter i mean you know if i'm playing it from the long side and it gets anywhere near that level it'd be a great exit point right if it gets back up how many days do you see in the s p's and this could be one of them today where the actual highs and lows of the session are made in the overnight session. So it's important when you see, you know, if you're looking for continuation moves, you also look at like something like Lockheed Martin. I mean, the reason it's so far off that high is because people bought the thing between 430 and 438 because they're thinking we're going to war. So those, those people that bought for an initial long or covered a short, they have nowhere to go. They're they're selling. So there's a lot of a lot of the volume. A lot of it depends on the volume that you see in the aftermarkets and the pre-market trading. But man, oh man, so many times you see you know the levels coinciding. Let's use like Beyond Meat for an, a real live example today. Go ahead and go ahead and give the news today on uh, Beyond Meat. Right. The news on Beyond Meat is that they are expanding their partnership with McDonald's. We know they already had a, a small one from last year. They're expanding the Beyond Meat burger trial to 52 outlets in Canada. Is it getting close to you yet, Dennis? 
I was supposed to be in Windsor a long time ago, so hopefully it's going to be coming here soon. Still haven't had a chance to try it because we were on the original Southwestern Ontario. I mean, we were in the heart of Southwestern Ontario, but then I was informed by the managers I wasn't coming to Windsor. So they have to go to London or, you know, further up, up the road there. So hopefully it's coming here. I wanted to try it. But with that being said, every time we get, you know, good news here or some other deal beyond me gets a pop. But we talked about the potential to squeeze them here, though. Did we not talk about that? Like right at the beginning it of the year? It just quiet, yep. We, we, yep. It was consolidating. We're like, you know, I said I hated this stock long term, but I also said that this sets up actually not bad as a trade. And yesterday you got some good news. Today you get some more good news. So we're squeezing them a bit, you know, and, and nothing goes straight down. I still think if you're putting Beyond Meat in your long-term portfolio, I think it's a mistake if you have, you know, a time frame of anything more than a year. But I think short term, the squeeze is on right now and that can continue to squeeze. But I'm not going to play a squeeze because I'm still biased long term. I think it goes lower. I think the valuation doesn't make any sense. I take what Mark Yusko, one of the initial investors who was on our show talking about it, you know, he bought this at $2 when he was an original investor and he was selling hand over fist at these prices saying he thinks it's going a lot lower. I'm going to take his opinion because I think he knows what he's talking about, at least on a stock like this. I do believe eventually it's going a lot lower too. But there is a squeeze going on here right now. This is not, you got to time these things. This is I don't believe the time to say okay, yeah, this is the party's over because right now you got a lot of people from consolidation station from last two months that think it's going lower and now it's breaking higher. Think it's a hundred bucks. Yeah, and just a real live example uh, for that person that called in. Uh, your pre market high in Beyond Me is ninety ten, right? So that's a that's spot, you know, just because it's 90 and hasn't been up at 90, it uh, would make it a little bit of a psychological level. But if you go to your dailies here, and I, it's been pretty far back and I had the exact day. Let me find the exact day. Um, the exact day was in December here. Boom, boom. You had a high of 90 right on the nose. So there you have a daily high. You know, you get the news after hours, the stock rips up, comes to the psychological level, which is it already was a daily level. And boom, that's where the stock not only stopped, but it turned around and had a you know substantial reverse. So for me, I'm looking at that. If I'm on that thing, I think it's going to have a hard time getting back up to 90 today. And if it did, I think 90 is going to be good resistance in that thing for quite some time. The fact that, uh, you know, we backed three bucks off that level. So it's a hard stock to trade. I will say that too. This is a very hard stock to trade. It is wild. It is a headline stock. You can see just the headline yesterday and headline today and boom, it's up 10 bucks. It's a wild stock. So there's way easier stocks to trade. I do very little trading in a stock like Beyond Me. People think as a day trader, they think you've got to be in the craziest, most volatile stuff. And I've always said, I've made my living by trading boring relationships. You know, I just hit base hits, base hits, base hits. Never, ever thinking about the home run. Base hits, diversified in my trading portfolio. When I have a bad loss, you know, it, it might lose like, you know, maybe it's a real bad day. Maybe I lose a day of trading, but I'm not going to blow up my month or my year because you know why I'm diversified. Even when I, I've been short stocks that got taken over. Well, you know what? I wasn't all in. You know, if I've only got two, 3% of my trading portfolio in any given stock and stock is taken over for, you know, 50% premium, I'm only losing 1% of my overall account. So that's why I've always stayed diversified in my overall trading portfolio. But, you know, I've went on a tangent here. The point being is that as a new trader, you're always naturally attracted to what can I make the most money in? What is moving the most? 
And I tell you, this is why new traders lose. The way I've made my money, I've been profitable every single year in my 20 year trading career. And I've made all of my living, all of my net worth has come from trading, 100% of it. You know, I started with, you know, like obviously, you know, back in the day with a loan from the parents, but for the most part, you know, and I obviously have done some different things. So I shouldn't say that I've done. So I've done some investing since then, but the core of my money I've made has been from my day trading activity. So don't let anybody tell you, you can't make money day trading. You can, you just have to do it in a rational way. You have to do it in, you know, a methodical way. I'm very, I do the same things all the time, taking advantage of little inefficiencies. I mean, last night you got McDonald's getting sold off 3%. I'll buy McDonald's down 3% and sell the S&Ps down 1.5% because I don't think McDonald's is going to go down more than the market tomorrow. That's an advantage. And I'm being paid for that this morning because if you look, McDonald's is you know, slightly down here, but it's not really even trading. In that, you know, it's not an active market. So, and the, and the, and the S&Ps are barely up. So you know, I, I'm pulling in 1.5% from a trade like that last night or 1% from a trade last night and you know, trying to take it off for, for scratch. So, I mean, there's opportunities like that. Do these opportunities present themselves all the time? No, but an opportunity like last night as a trader, you have to take advantage of them. People are just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You know, they're selling Coca-Cola. I bought Coca-Cola down like 70 cents last night. The thing's flat. So, I mean, these are, you know, even if we were going into World War III, is it Coca-Cola the stock that's getting killed? No, probably not. So whoever's just selling that license just wasn't using the rational thought. So, you know, those are advantages that I take, those are trades I take advantage of. I'm not sitting here trying to say, you know, make money by calling Beyond Meat and thinking, I think it's going to 100 bucks. I said it could. But you know what? I'm not trading it because it could, it might not too. Like I've got this whole overall bearish thesis on it. I think they're squeezing them right now. If it's set up, you know, I might go for a setup, but I don't even see a setup here. I mean, you're, you're trying to short 87 here this morning. You're right now shorting something in rocket ship mode. The thing just rallied 10 bucks in two days. I, I don't make money shorting rocket ships. I make money when the rocket ship runs out of gas and then starts to leak, and then maybe I jump in. But, you know, the key is, you know, that if you're a trader, you got to find different ways. If you're just jumping in all the Momo names, jumping out and rouncing all over the place, you're making money good for you. But I, from what I, my experience, and we've seen, you know, hundreds of traders coming up break trading, um, the ones that are just, you know, going after all the crazy running guns all the time, usually aren't there a year later, those traders. They're usually, you know, are, are, have some trouble, you know, continuing to be successful. They'll get some home runs, sure, but are they going to be there for the long duration? I mean, there's a lot of good baseball players that get five, ten home runs or even have a good season, and at the end of the day, they're gone, and it's because, you know, the consistency wasn't there. So I've found that I can be consistent by being more boring and trading these boring relationships and just trying to use, you know, some rational thought, even though I joke, you know, and the rational thought didn't make any sense to me for this move here overnight. But, you know, you've got to be able to adjust your, your trading for that as well. All right. We didn't even get to some of the other news like Macy's uh, giving holiday sales that are, that are better than expected. Uh, some analyst ratings. We didn't even get to those. Uh, not too many this morning. A couple that caught my eye. Uh, Bernstein had a positive note out on Beyond Meat. They maintained that they outperform. Uh, we also had a note out from who was it here? Uh, Bank America downgrading a few cybersecurity names. FireEye, Cisco, and Palo Alto all to neutral. Uh, Bank America also downgrading restaurant brands QSR to underperform. Um, that was kind of it from the analysts. Pretty quiet morning this morning. Uh, uh, Cowan uh, downgrading Coles and Boeing both to neutral 
as well. Uh, that'll be it for our show. Unless you guys have any final thoughts, I want to thank our guest, Michelle Krebs. Thanks to all of you in our chats, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. You can always leave us a voicemail, 734-494-0246. We'll listen to it. Uh, maybe play it on the air, but probably just use it more for fodder for a discussion as we just did there. Uh, so you can always catch our podcast, as I mentioned, rewatch our show on YouTube if you'd like. Uh, and that's it. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.